On this week's Inside Marketing, I'll be talking about the Paddy Power way of brand building. They have an embarrassment of riches in terms of their back catalogue of advertising stunts. So I'll be joined by Michelle Spillane and we'll talk about how the structure is in the marketing team, how they plan for these spontaneous events and how much effort goes into looking effortless. So it's going to be a good one. Stay tuned as we talk about the Paddy Power way of brand building only on this week's Inside Marketing. The Inside Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Dentsu and Irish Times Media Solutions. Hello and welcome to this week's Inside Marketing. As I said in the intro, I'm delighted to be joined by Michelle Spillane, who's the Marketing and Brand Director for Paddy Power UK and Ireland. Welcome, Michelle. How are you? I'm great, Dave. Um, it's great to be here. Thanks for asking me to come along. No problem. It's a brand I've, I've I've admired from afar for years. I think everybody has. So it's it's good to it's good. I mean, I'm going to say I'm looking forward to this. I I enjoy all the podcasts I do, but this one I just think is going to be just going to be really interesting because it's such a it's such a brilliant marketing brand. Um, and we know each other a long time, so it'll be kind of like kind of like a just a chat between the two mates. I think is is what it'll be like. Um, but yeah, how's things? Before we get into it, how how are you? Are you busy? I'd imagine it's a busy time with the World Cup coming up. Is it a bit hectic? Yeah, it is. And um, yeah, look, it's uh, it's a it's a really crazy time because the World Cup is at Christmas. Yeah. Um. So that's new for us uh, to have football at Christmas at that time of year. So normally, as you know, um, you're a big football fan. It's normally a summer tournament. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's given us lots of weird and wonderful, uh, creative jumping off points to have fun with. But um, we can talk about that in a bit. Yeah. But yeah, it's busy, but good busy. Well, that's good. I imagine it's always busy. It strikes me as being a, a, a company that's always busy and always, I mean, based on, and we'll get into it later on, basically the, the content you put out in social, your newsroom and your content engine, you just be flat out busy all the time. But anyway, we'll get into that. Um, so we'll start off, um, and I don't know how much we'll get through in this because I, I, I could probably do, this could be a three hour podcast just for, because my own <laughs> interest in the stunts that you've done. So we, we'll try and get through as much as we can. But um, like, Paddy Power history of being kind of probably yeah best in class in terms of marketing just in terms of the attitude to marketing I think it was very innovative innovative as a brand in terms of the model not kind of um, you know share of mind versus share of media if you will so creating big impact with, with, with looks sometimes like small budgets so you know, getting talked about and being, I don't know whether we still like the term, but being disruptive, shaking things up and getting noticed. Um, and there's always a client that I, I clients would always reference, you know, Paddy Powers going, I want to do something. I did have tiny budgets, right? And I think from, from the outside in, it can often look like these stunts are, um, you know, you, you wouldn't realize the planning that goes into them. But my point is clients would always say, you know, the way Paddy Perry, you know, shake things up. I want, I want an idea like that. And it's always, I just go, God, give me a break, will you? It's really difficult. <laughs> but you are held yeah. up there as being um, best in class. Now, I'm not going to go on about this too much, but like historically, when 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 you sail close to the wind with, with tongue-in-cheek um, campaigns and creative and, and having a bit of fun, it, it, it can, it can, it's, it can be dangerous sometimes, but but I think what was a Paddy Power view of marketing and how has that evolved over time? And and am I wrong thinking that there is an ambition to sail close to the wind? Is that fair or is that not fair? Yeah, I think that's that's fair. It's it's probably it's you know it's probably not how we articulate it. Um, mm. We would talk about having cultural relevance, mm-hmm. and um, that's what we aim and that's what we strive for. And you're right, you know, we do lots of knowledge shares um, with other companies, um, both for ourselves, you know, other brands and also for them where we share kind of our secret sauce, what we do, how we do it, why we do it, et cetera, et cetera. And um, uh, but I think what's important maybe is to kind of say, you know, what we do, our marketing story and our marketing approach started 34 years ago with the birth of the brand. Mm. So it's very much baked into our DNA. So as an organization, we've got 34 years of working in the way that we work, i.e. the speed and agility um, that we have as an org, you know, to to work in that way and deliver behind that. So, um, you know, so just a little bit about the history, because it is important. Like 34 years ago, 
three independent Irish bookmakers came together to set up Paddy Power. Mm-hmm. And those uh, three innovators were David Power, John Corcoran and Stuart Kenny. And they um, set up Paddy Power in 1988. And you already know this, um, Dave, but lots of people do ask us, is there an actual Paddy Power? Mm. And there is the man himself. And um, he's a he's a wonderful guy and um, he's a big ambassador for us. And we use him in a lot of our marketing and in a lot of our media. And he's very important to kind of teams and culture and all of that that we have in the business. So Paddy's not adverse to being a great storyteller and raconteur, but he would tell us that 34 years ago when they set up the business, a big part of the marketing strategy, and I think strategy is a stretch of a word, was uh, they had no budget and they would comb through the newspapers because you have to remember this was all pre-internet. Mm. Um, so they were like comb through the newspapers, go through the big stories of the day, whatever was going on. And then they would send out hundreds of faxes. They would just blitz media with hundreds of faxes about novelty markets with right. like press releases that were written in a really cheeky, irreverent and fun way. And and that was the birth of the personality and tone of the brand. So that point of distinction to stand out, no one else was doing novelty markets. Mm. And if you think about it today, that's why a brand like Paddy Parrott, that's why, you know, we will be active around politics, religion, yeah. uh, sport. You know, we transcend the sport and betting category. And, you know, it is whatever is culturally Uh, relevant at that time. You know, we could be talking about anything. So for instance, in our newsroom yesterday, or not yesterday, like three days ago, um, uh, do you remember WhatsApp went down? Like the lads were up with a sketch, like immediately, within minutes, they had a sketch filmed and was up and out. It had nothing to do with betting, nothing to do Mm. with sports, and had everything to do with WhatsApp being done. And it was super funny, massive engagement, loads of people jumping on it. And it is that cultural relevance and being in step and in tune mm. with your, your customers and your punters, I think that is a big part of our secret sauce. So that was the birthplace of where it all stemmed from. And I guess over the last 34 years, you know, as marketing has become more complex and more evolved, you know, so has our marketing mix. But the one thing we stay true to to keep it simple is that cultural relevance and using that as our north star. Yeah, and it's it's amazing to hear that because because again, when these things when they get picked up, they they look effortless, right? But it obviously is not because you know, and I think Ryanair are quite good at this as well, just being reactive. Certain things, they are. Not, not to the same degree, I think, because the content um, and a lot of video stuff, you're just on it. And it's great when it works. And I think that's a, a, that's a compliment. The fact that, that it looks effortless is um, a compliment because sometimes these things can, they can be a bit too try hard, you know, when you try and force your way into cultural relevance, it just doesn't work. So I think it's clearly part of it and, and the effort that goes into it, but to not make it look like it's too try hard, I think is a great compliment. Um, when you, when you do, like there's a load of them and my, my ones that I remember that I liked and a lot of them are recent um, I'm kind of into football and so I'm not as into politics as football but I remember the um, like take the Huddersfield kit for example Yeah. Um, like I remember years ago we were doing a PlayStation launch and got um, we did some reverse graffiti I think it was or graffiti that would wash off and we hired somebody to go out and do the symbols on the streets and the Haypenny Bridge yeah. and all the fella got arrested and you got put in jail to pay a fine I can remember <laughs> saying to a client at the time think of the media fine as being or of the fine as being the media budget so do you guys when you're planning for these things and you know you can cause small offence you might get fined the Huddersfield thing I think was an unfair fine they got fined for the, the kit sponsorship thing do you ever plan these things and say you know, we're going to generate a huge amount of PR on these things and we fully expect to get a bit of a slap on the wrist. So Huddersfield, I don't know what they got, to get a 50 grand fine or something, but you, would you would you yeah. plan for fines and some of these things um, or is that how it works? Yeah, we did know that there was possibly going to be a fine with that. But I guess for for people maybe listening to the podcast that, that, um, that don't know what that stunt was about, I think that is classic Paddy Power mischief and mm. probably one of the most successful stunts that we've done in the last 10 years. And so it is an example, you know, you reference there that sometimes these things look very cavalier um, and actually there's a huge amount of planning and thought insight that goes into it. So um, 
we had this idea in May uh, 2019, and it was around, you know, we could see it bubbling up that fans were just getting so, so pissed off mm. um, with, I think, feeling like they didn't have a voice in football anymore and that it was all becoming overly corporate, all about money. And, you know, shirts are sacred, you know, colours, kits, shirts are sacred to fans for their clubs and their teams. And we could see that they were so pissed off of just having rubbish sponsors, you know, um, on the front of their kits. And so we had a really short window from like May to start a season, like very short um, runway to deliver this. But nonetheless, um, all hands on deck for six weeks to turn around and pull it, pull it all together. And so we did a spoof sponsorship mm -hmm. of Huddersfield. And um, it was to raise a point, you know, so as I said, when we talk about cultural relevance, we look to find the tensions in culture and what people are talking about. And the tension at that time was fans were pissed off about the shirt mm. and pissed off about the sponsors on shirts. So we raised that by having a stunt, spoofing that we were the sponsor of Huddersfield. And we put this great big sash yeah. type logo across it, which looked like the worst bridesmaid at a, at a wedding um, or a... You know, it was horrendous. Anyway, and it sparked outrage. You know, we got six minutes alone on the BBC mm. um, with, you know, I think the, the actual announcer said, has Paddy Power killed football? You know, and it was like, oh, my God. So there was this huge debate that raged for 48 hours. Yeah. And the debate was, you know, kind of we stimulated and started that debate to raise it to that level, which was fans are not happy mm. um, with the amount of, over corporatization, if you like, of football. The game is for the fans. Give it back to the fans. Let it be about the fans. Mm. And then in our typical Paddy Power style, we revealed that 48 hours later that we actually had unsponsored Huddersfield. The intent was never to... So we gave the shirt back to the fans yeah. and with a clean shirt for the season. Sales for Huddersfield shirts went up, um, you know, 1500% during the time we we did it very purposefully to demonstrate how much we understand football um, punters and football betters and we won a legion of new customers off mm. the back of that stunt so when you think about the 50 grand fine for us it was more around investing in the future positioning of our brand as a football brand a brand for football customers a brand that truly understands football customers um, and you know it did a massive job of work for mm. us to do that and was a huge success financially and also from a, a kind of a brand and a marketing point yeah, of view. Yeah, from a marketing so. point of view, absolutely. And there was a cleverness, like a smartness that I wasn't just, you know, gimmickry. It was there was an insight behind it, which was which was kind of um, a serious thing to it, right? It was a point of view on on the commerciality of of uh, the over commerciality of clubs, which which is still a, a big. A big talking point yeah. today is partly why the reason why the World Cup's on and in, in where it is at the wrong time oh, of the year. So we, we won't, we won't so get into that. You can imagine that we're going to have great fun with that. Yeah, no, I can imagine. And <laughs> I hope maybe, maybe you'll give me a spoiler later on and see what we're doing. Um, just a question though, when you, but when you, when you step out of your lane a little bit and you kind of get involved in, in kind of politics or things like that, do you ever, are you ever worried you go too far? Like, or, or do you ever have you gone too far? Is something you look back on and go, you know what? Yeah, and in, in, in hindsight, not you now, personally. I'm talking about the brand. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah, you, there's some you go like collect with your brand and go, that was just that was just too far. We shouldn't have done that. Or, or is it a case that all publicity is good publicity? I know, God, all publicity is not good publicity, and we certainly don't have that view. Um, I think, you know, as, as we discussed at the start, we're very thoughtful and purposeful and intentional about what we choose to do and how we do it. And, you know, to kind of, I suppose, maybe demystify all the fun a little bit. Mm. Um, you know, we have four brand drivers, which are kind of our North Star and everything we do must ladder back to those. So I'll just tell you what the, they are. And when you hear them, they're kind of obvious, but we sense check everything against those four brand drivers. So the first one is, um, is it on the ball? Um, mm -hmm. And so what that means is, you know, um, is it in tune and in step with what's been spoken about right now? 
Um, and that's also about speed. How can we turn something around? You know, how can we agile and be out there with like lightning speed? So an example of that might be um, uh, we had some guerrilla marketing around Boris Johnson last mm-hmm. week. Um, there was a 24 hour window whereby he was massively being tipped to return as the next PM. And it was him between him and Rishi. And so there was a 24 hour window within four hours in the office. Teams had come up with the idea to get, wow. you know, very classic, simple marketing idea, which was like digivans driving up and down outside Westminster, you know, going, Boris resigns. Oh, no, Boris is back in. Oh, my God, I can't keep up. Uh-uh. And it was just super funny with mm. all the vans driving around. But within four hours, somebody had thought of that, had briefed um, the creative teams who had written it and designed it. The media teams had sourced the digivans. The PR teams had briefed it and got photographers down there. The legal right. teams had signed it off, et cetera, et cetera. So like up and out. And yeah. if we didn't do it within that window, we would never have done it. And like, mm-hmm. you know, we the traders put up a market on Boris. Um, and normally with novelty bets, there was a certain kind of ratio that we would have. But like in that window, for something that we would expect. The Boris betting was 10x as a result of that little piece of mischief. So everything we do has a purpose. So the first thing is, is it on the ball? The second thing, is it sharp-witted? And then you said it yourself there. Sharp-witted is definitely not about being slapstick or cavalier. It's about being clever and insightful. Um, I suppose a very advertising word that we use at times is we'd kind of say, is it well-observed, you know? Um, So that's really important. So intelligent humor. The third is really important, and that is um, punter's pal. We call it punter's pal, and we call that being on the side of the consumer. So is this what our consumers feel? You know, do we know that? You know, it's not an opinion. And we've many ways that we we kind of get that we're luckier than most brands because we've built that infrastructure, which is on a daily basis, we have, you know, through our social and content streams, we have... Um, our customers talking to us, giving us opinions on different things. So we can see very quickly what the mood and tempo is around a particular subject. Mm-hmm. We also have massive data banks, which we use in trends um, and analysis from our business. And then we do more formal uh, consumer insights on a very, very reg- regular basis, more regular than any other company I've worked for. So that's that. Um, and then daring is the last one, um, which which is you know, that's our cherry on top. That's our differentiator, differentiator right. which is, does it have an edge? Mm-hmm. How is it written? Where, where, Where is, you know, the cheeky tone of voice within that? And how are we, you know, pushing the envelope just that little bit further um, than others? But all of that and all of those four things are around creating laughter, mm. fun, entertainment, Um, And that's why having something like, you know, the punter's pal is, you know, is this what people are thinking and saying and either, you know, don't have the words to articulate it or not brave enough to say it. And then we find the way to articulate that on behalf of them. Mm. So um, there are four brand drivers and that keeps us uh, in the main, I would say that keeps us on the right side of the line. Yeah, and as I say, I, 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 and I, I, I genuinely mean this, and it is a compliment that things get out and they look, but it's a huge engine. We, I'm going to talk about this later on, um, hopefully, like just to unpack how we did it. It's a huge kind of commitment. And, um, and I think once you start, once you become known for doing these things, you kind of have to, yeah, there's an expectation that like people, I, I bet now there's loads of people going, I wonder what Paddy Power going to do for the World Cups. And you've now set a, a bar for yourself that you constantly have to deliver yeah. on. But before I move away from um, from this point, like I say, it's an embarrassment to riches when you think of like your, your greatest hits as a, as a you know, as a marketing company in terms of stunts, um, execution. So two questions, given all that process, are there, are there any you'd look back on like maybe Oscar Pistorius and say we probably yeah. shouldn't have done that one are there any that you kind of and not to dwell on those ones, but do you think are there any yeah. that you say we, we, yeah that we got it wrong and hands up we got it wrong yeah. but then the flip side and this would be a really tough one like I love the Nicholas Bentner one the Daft the Daft Punk yeah. was brilliant by the way just because so yeah, simple yeah. and so obvious so um, yeah. any you'd regret and any collectively you might regret or look back and say shouldn't have done it and then also personal question to you looking back at the the rich 
kind of back catalogue you have? What have been your favourites in pre your time and your time? So, yeah, I would say, listen, the Oscar stories one is um, probably, yeah, the most famous one that we got wrong. And we don't, um, you know, we don't shy away from that in Mm. terms of we did get that wrong and it was a big one. And we were tone deaf um around that it was well intended yeah but um probably tone deaf um at that time and i think as a brand like us you know where where you are out there so publicly with things if you do get something wrong the first thing to say is um uh own it yeah you know uh own it be be public about owning it and own it quickly so when you get it wrong own it quickly and step down from it quickly. Yeah. I would say the Oscar Pistorius one is one internally that we use as yeah. a great big disaster check mm-hmm. on tone of voice. And are we getting that right? Um, you know, are we getting what we're doing right? So our past, luckily, is not littered with mistakes, you know. Um, and it is important to get one or two things wrong, mm. obviously. Well, you Not have to. I mean, you have to. You, it's going to happen. And I think people right, are, people, we do learn. like to forgive people as well. So I think it's classically, exactly. you're, you're right. If you make a mistake, that's okay. To, to own it and get out in front of it and and put your hand up and say, and I think that's brilliant because sometimes the, the, the danger is to not do that. So I actually think like, I think people are quite forgiving of mistakes because everybody makes mistakes. We all do it. So we like to forgive yeah. as humans as well. You yeah. know? So I think you're, that's yeah. a good point. And also when we're having like loads of bravado, about ourselves um do you you know being self I think the other thing is we're very self-deprecating as a brand like we don't we take the piss out of ourselves so like we don't put ourselves up on a great big pedestal if you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and um do you remember I think it was like the Six Nations the Ireland England game at uh back in 2019 and we posters all over the city um where we were kind of all the it was England v Ireland and all the Brits were coming over to the mm-hmm. Aviva for the match and we were like had all these things going we're the biggest speaking nation in Europe welcome to the biggest you know speak it, like, oh, yeah. we were yeah. ribbing them something chronic over Brexit and we were ribbing them something chronic over our um, credentials as as a, a rugby playing nation and all the rest of us and they beat us mm. so like we had we had a full page in the Irish Times where we did this big um, Paul Mallon um, who, who uh, was working in the brand at the time and incredibly talented oh, I know Paul um, yeah no Paul Paul incredibly talented guy and uh, he'd taken out a full page in the Irish Times where he was kind of like you know welcome to Ireland to all the Brits and it was like you know you big humiliation ahead of you don't worry only another 798 years to go and like a very brave and ballsy thing to write and take out you know the mm. people spitting out the cornflakes kind of looking at that but it was funny yeah and then of course we lost the match in like spectacular defeat <laughs> like whoa it's always a danger always a danger right but super quick super quick without any planning and it's just the experience of you know, the guys in the in the content and social team, Stephen Quick put out one of our most famous tweets just as the whistle blew, which said, anybody know a man with a van to take down a few posters oh, in the city just yeah. asking for a friend? <laughs> and everyone, I could see people in the stadium because I was at the match actually looking yeah. at it, laughing and showing it to their mates. So being super mm. self-deprecating around that. And then he put up loads of other memes, you know, with kind of people hiding under the duvet going, our marketing team right now, you know. So being super self-deprecating around that just endears you to, I think, more of your fans. And it gives your brand meaning, yeah. I suppose, something to touch on, right, which is... We all, you do, I do, um, you know, you and I have sat in rooms talking about, you know, different brands that I've worked on, Dave, when I've been a client of yours and, you know, stuff like that, where you're trying to get that brand meaning and that cut through and yeah. all the rest of it. So, you know, but as we both know, like customers care not a huge amount about brands, no, you know, not, as marketers, not, we think they care. Not a lot at all. Like not, not, they care very little, to be honest. Very little, right? So to, to build a brand that customers do talk about, do talk to on a daily basis and engage with, 
on a daily basis mm. is a massive, massive currency. So that's something that we nurture. That's something we invest in. Mm. Um, that's something we build on. Um, and, you know, ha has been a massive part of our success, our growth story over the last 34 years. So, yeah, um, I think that's a great example, by the way, about like it also that tweet going, you know, as you say about, you know, anyone know man with a van asking for a friend, it kind of it gives it the, the, the campaign, which was probably over at the time because the joke is passed. Right. It gives it yeah. a, it gives it a second win then again, because you're kind of you know, you've you breathed a bit of new life into it. So, but you got to be on these things. You have to be. And I think it's a, I mean, not every brand can, can not every brand can kind of have that levity. It just wouldn't work for certain brands, but, but still in all, I mean, I mean, it, it takes a long time to, it takes an awful long time to, to build that and to be known for that. I, I mean, but that, that's a question now, right? So, you know, there is an expectation. So, the bar just raises and raises and raises. Um, like I would imagine, it's a pretty tough job when you're sitting there going, like, how do you always? How do you? How do you improve? Giving back some, given that some of the stunt, the stunts that you've done, um, and they they live in the memory for a long time. Like I, I, yeah. mean, I still remember the 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 Cheltenham, the Hollywood signs of Cheltenham, and these just yeah. things are like the, uh, months of planning, um, but not not months of media buying spend, if you will. It's kind of, I don't know what you'd call it, kind of guerrilla marketing or stunt. But but it's a really clever way of, um, it's a really clever way of, of generating talkability in media. But you do set a bar really high. So do, uh, the question is, do, do you feel maybe that it's harder and harder to, to um, I don't know, to, 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 to get people to take notice because the, the expectations, well, you know, expect Paddy Power to do something good. I, I mean, and and they look at things in a more critical eye now. So you're, you're, you are now held to a higher standard by your track record. Is it harder and harder to do? Like, think about yeah. the World Cup, like, is, is it harder and harder to keep doing things and, and, and kind of living up to, to the standards that you've already set in marketing? Or is yeah, it it's just easy? Yeah, for sure. I mean... It's definitely not easy. <laughs> no, I can't, I can't imagine. I mean, one way I'd say the, the job, the, the, the head of mystery says it's a nightmare. It's a great form, but yeah. it'd be a night, nightmare job in terms of stress, I would imagine, in terms of the expectation from from the output. So, yeah, I just always wondered, like, how do you feel that pressure in the marketing team as a, as the, the, the person with responsibility for marketing? Do you feel a great pressure to constantly deliver brilliant things? Is it stressful? Um. Gosh, I don't know if pressure is the right word, but um, ambition is probably maybe a better word. Mm. I would say, you know, do I have great ambition for the brand? Um, absolutely. Um, but I think not not to make it over, overly simplistic, you are quite right in what you say. You know, we do keep raising our own bar all of the time. And, you know, it is ambition. I suppose that means that we keep raising that bar and, you know, that there's new campaigns all the time, new ways of thinking about how we create um, resonance and relevance with customers and, you know, and, and fans. Um, but I would say people are the key and mm. that is absolutely true. So the people in your team uh, and you know some of the people that work in Paddy Power. Um, you know, I've mentioned Paul there. Mm. You know, there there are many other great uh, people in in the team. Um, Jack Wilson, who looks after um, our content and social. You know, Stephen Quick, Noel Slevin, um, Mark Walsh, who are all kind of I would say veterans of that team. We no longer we've learned the hard way. We no longer let. The um the grads loose on Twitter after a night out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's a good idea. <laughs> Who like you know the lads coming in on grad programs thinking this is the best crack they can write whatever they're like oh my god so obviously the team that manage that are highly experienced but mm. I think people are key you know we hire people with high energy high ambition um that are not backward looking but forward looking mm. and I would say. You know, people that come into our team, you know, are struck by that peer-to-peer -peer level of ambition, whereby there's a collective uh, desire to build on the shoulders of team members that have gone before. Mm. So 
people will look back at things like the Hollywood sign and, you know, the Oscar Pistorius, and they'll want to better that. Yeah. They'll go, that's the reason I joined this team. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. But equally, I want my name in lights. I want to be the person that comes up with the next massive thing that has everyone talking about it. And I think that we empower people and we give people huge autonomy to go forward and and write that next chapter for the brand and put big support networks around them to facilitate them to do their best work. Mm. I know that sounds, you know, very, I don't know, polished or something to say that, but but that is true. I would say that peer-to-peer recognition is a very important part of what we do. So, yeah. you know, teams getting a buzz from you know, somebody who works in a whole other department or outside the company saying to them, that's a really great piece of work. I've loved that. And wanting to put their own fingerprints on that piece of work. So we provide, I I guess, that canvas for people Mm. to come in and do great work. But there's no doubt about it. You need high energy, you know, to be highly kind of creative, dynamic, work at the speed of light, but also... You know, you have to be a highly organized, highly, you know, considered um, individual. Mm. Um, and and we have, you know, in terms of teams of people like we people with, you know, uh, you know, we don't have just a team of brilliant creatives. So having brilliant creatives is a big part of our team. Yeah. But we have um, we have people who are journalists that work in their in, in our team. So they are amazing writers mm-hmm. and therefore have brilliant instinct around, you know, what's landing right now, how to write about that right now, et cetera, et cetera. We have people who are brilliant analysts and mm-hmm. so therefore brilliant at mining for trends um, customer acquisition, building propositions. Um, so a, a multi-skilled, multifaceted team that share one thing in common, and that is to continue to build an iconic brand in the marketplace. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and, and it doesn't come as any surprise to me that that what can look, as I said it loads of times, what can look like it's kind of effortless, it involves an awful lot of coordination and planning. But thinking about that, so I, I remember, like, I remember loads of them, but like the Nicholas Bentner in the Euros when he scored and he was wearing Paddy Power pants. Um, I ain't even sure whether he was new, he was, you know, breaching regulation or anything like that. And it was it was a bit of fun and it was just really clever and it captured the imagination. And it was a rather, relatively simple execution. But how does that kind of, the, the genesis, the, how does that start? So the, the structure, how long out are you thinking about, say, that one or any, or the World Cup one? How, when do you start planning these things? What, what, is there a specific team in place? Um, is there a culture whereby anybody can contribute an idea? If anybody's got an idea for the World Cup, yeah. or, 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 or is it very tightly kind of managed within a team? Is it a ring-fenced little team or, you know, a secret team or... And I guess, uh, you know, you're a big organization, you don't want to let the cat out of the bag, whatever you're planning to do. So yeah. they can be simple <laughs> yeah, ideas. Yeah. So how how does it work in the structure of that team? Work yeah. up, how long, out you, a, how long a, out are you planning and how yeah, tight yeah. is that team and who can contribute or not? Yeah, it's a little bit of both um, is the truth. So we have a very big team. And so say the, the best example we'll give, right, is the World Cup, which is in our eyeline right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so naturally there is a massive, uh, team working on different aspects of that. So, um, you know, the CRM team have a massive plan of action, the media team, the content team, uh, the, the campaign team in terms of last Monday and Tuesday, we just shot, um, our TV ad for the World Cup. So there's a massive team involved in creating all the different levers mm. that we will pull during that time. Um, and then within that, I think a part of that will be how, how we show up doing some mischievous activations. Mm. And we have a couple of those um, in the hopper for the World Cup. When it comes to those specific mischief activations, they are kept to a small group um, because naturally you can't have a leak. You can't have somebody let the can out of the bag. So um, 
I'm going to reference Paul Mallon again, but Paul was just such a brilliant colleague. When Paul used to bring people in to work on mischief with him in, in the team, he'd make them sign NDAs. Proper like, order. Yeah. <laughs> Proper <laughs> order. You have to. I can't talk to you about this unless you sign an NDA. So, um, you know, it was great crack. But uh, we do keep that part of kind of stuff quite tight. Yeah, but I would I say, you know, again, when you're thinking about Paddy Power and as you say, raising the bar, you know, there isn't a formula. Um, you know, the last World Cup was in 2018. Um, if you remember, it seems like, you know, a lifetime ago now. But um, when we look back on that, I mean, the big talk in like the February and March time was all about the kind of... Uh, political discourse between mm. Britain and um, and Russia uh, because of the poisonings that had happened. And then Britain were like expelling all these Russian diplomats and there was, you know, all of this going on. And so we were, from a creative and a stunt point of view, thinking about, okay, what are the things we can pivot on with regards to that, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But actually it just shows how quickly a narrative changes. Um so we were tempted to kind of jump into that space with creative ideas around gulags, Russian gulags and people in hazmat suits. Mm. And, you know, there was a whole world of stuff going on uh, because the the climate at that time was around don't go to Russia. It's not safe. Mm. Um, but we actually took a decision at the time to just talk about VAR and it was going to be the first time that VAR was used in a in a big tournament and the first time it's being used in the World Cup. And so we kind of said, okay, let's focus on that. We kind of had an instinct that was going mm. to be yeah, the, talking the point. Tournament. And we were so glad that we did because as soon as the first ball was kicked, it became all about the football, all yeah. the political backdrop, you know, petered away and yeah. everything was about VAR. So for us, we had created you know, a TV ad around VAR, which was the big talking point. And we had bought a gold package on ITV, which meant that we were one of two exclusive sponsors around the coverage. Mm. So every time it went to an ad break and pundits were talking about the VAR decisions, all our advertising was taking the piss out of VAR. Yeah, I remember so, I remember the campaign. Yeah, it was, good. it was a really good campaign. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, there's an example of, uh, I suppose, kind of really honing in on what are the key insights, not getting too carried away with the other noise. Um, Similarly for us, uh, this year, the World Cup, which is in a couple of weeks, um, we've kind of gone, okay, what's different this time? And, you know, so, so we're looking at that. There's, you know, it's on at Christmas, um, which is a first um, mm-hmm. we've had to consider things like, okay, we're not just going to be competing with other betting brands in the category. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a very big retailer in the UK. Uh, when we were shooting one of our ads, we, the pr- same production company in London that we used uh, told us that they had just shot an ad for a very big retailer in the UK and Ireland, and their Christmas ad is all about World Cup football. So there's an example yeah. of having to cut through and compete with people who are not even in your category. Um, yeah. You know, at the busiest time of year, you know, in the UK, you have retailers that will spend 20 million quid on TV. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Alone, just one one brand. So multiply that out by everybody and suddenly you're into a very busy and cluttered space so for us to get cut through as a betting brand that's where you then go well all our investment in cultural relevance and building a culturally relevant brand is a massive asset that we have that others don't have so Mm. we've leaned into that for the world cup this year in terms of all our creativity all our all our strategy our media strategy our our creative strategy, our PR strategy, our mischief strategy, our CRM strategy, all kind of ladders up to that this right. year. So fingers crossed. So I'm, I, I will wait. I can't wait to see. I'll keep an eye an eye out for, for your stunts. Um, you may or may not want to answer this, but because just something that we we're talking about pants. The last question on pants. Um, the Mayweather and McGregor fight. Uh, yes. I, I was expecting, I, I, I was surprised to say the least because I, I've thought obviously you'd be, you'd be um, Conor McGregor supporting, he'd be wearing yes. Paddy Power pants. Floyd Mayweather was wearing Paddy Power pants. So 
what what happened <laughs> yeah. there was that like what how for, and again I was thinking how on earth because like May McGregor's big but Mayweather's far richer far bigger outside of Ireland so how did you manage to land Mayweather was and, and why didn't you go with McGregor <laughs> can you tell me anything about that uh, so yeah there 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 um, obviously is a story behind that um, I think the best thing to say on that is um, as a brand everybody probably would have expected us to go with McGregor for that. Yeah. That would have been a very obvious thing to do. Um, but I guess obvious is not going to get you the the, the talking points, the cut through. Um, and in that particular campaign, I think nobody was expecting us to go with Mayweather. No. I know that Paddy, um, Paddy, Paul and Robin, uh, three, three colleagues, Paddy Power, Paul Mallon and... Uh, Robin flew out to LA. Paul had had conversations with Mayweather's agent. Nothing was signed in stone. Paul always talks about that they were the most expensive pants that he's ever mm, had to get made because with several different versions of them made. So they went out and uh, uh, the story as it goes or the tale that it goes anyway is that the three lads had to meet Mayweather in a strip club in Vegas late mm. at night. Um uh, the agent had agreed to, to kind of meet them. They were out there partying or whatever. So I think it was like two in the morning. He eventually showed up with um, his entourage and uh, yeah, and they did the deal. Did the deal. Um, at two in the morning wow. and um, uh, agreed to do it. And Robin was the cameraman. So uh, they were able to get some shots uh, there and then. Uh, Paul and Paddy, you know, did the contract with him, briefed him. He tried on several of the prototype pants that Paul had had made up in advance, and um, and away we go. And the rest that, is history. That's, that's quite. That's quite. Well, again, see your pants stuff. Like if that meet didn't didn't go as well, did you have a plan B or or is it like no, that's it. We, if this doesn't work, I don't know what. I'm sure you did. Look, I don't want to get into too much, give away too many secrets, but that sounds incredibly stressful. Like if you don't agree with that meeting or maybe he looks for huge numbers. So I don't know. How do you decide on budgets, by the way? That was a question I was thinking of. Do you, yeah. do you, do you set a budget for the Mayweather fight, McGregor fight or the World Cup? Or do you say, we'll find, if we have the right idea, we'll find the budget to put behind it? Because sometimes, um, the, the tail can wag the dog sometimes. So how do you decide? Yeah. Is, is there a process for that or how do you do it? I would say it's kind of like most things. It's like the 80-20 rule, right? Which is, you know, we plan for the year ahead. We're the same as any business. Um, so we will look at the growth um, that we have, you know, the, the the kind of growth revenue targets that we've set for our business uh, for the year ahead. Uh, we will allocate uh, marketing budgets that we feel are uh, sufficient mm -hmm. um, to drive that growth. And um, that growth is usually made up of, you know, what's happening in the in, in the year ahead, both from an external point of view, i.e. kind of a calendar of events, but also an internal point of view in terms of what new propositions that we're bringing to market mm. um, for customers that we know are going to drive a certain level of growth for us, et cetera, et cetera. And then within that, we will have roughly about 20% of the budget unallocated to opportunities that right. will springboard throughout the year. So right. yeah. So so there's again there's a process, but you, you, I, I imagine like getting else you get excited about things and you can increase the budget. Um, we talked about this a lot. You, you are really exceptionally good at at reacting to things. Again, that doesn't happen unless you plan. You have to have a team on standby to be reactive. You have to be on it because it's like the next day is too late in a lot of these things. You got to be yeah. quick. You got to be on it. Yeah. Um, which like and it, it can be it can be easy enough to, to have a team on it when, you know, you do a display campaign, but like you have videos out to market really, really quickly. So give me yeah. some, like how big is a marketing team and and how big, like, is there a full, I can think, my head, I see Paddy Perry, just the content that you have. I imagine you're like yeah. a, a newspaper, you have a full newsroom and how big yeah. is that content team? Um, and like, yeah, and do they work around the clock? And but think about the World Cup. But I presume you'll have a stand. <laughs> they would probably say yes. But they probably you probably have to have in terms of you know in terms of watching a match and seeing something. Go okay, let's get a let's get in. Like you'll probably have a big team available working um, yeah. unsociable hours for the World Cup. I would imagine. Yeah. So how big is that team? How big is your newsroom or your um, and, and yeah. how big is your content engine? Your in-house production capability. Yeah. So again, 
not to take all the fun out of it and suddenly have us sound and seem like, you know, a, a dull old boring brand. But, you know, we are a highly organized, highly planned business. Mm. So um, you can only, you can't be reactive all the time, Dave. Like no. the place would be in chaos. You know, that's not how we run our business. We're a highly strategic highly planned organization that has a vision mapped out you know for the next five years obviously that we'll be agile around so you know i would say 80 percent of what we do is very very planned tied into you know our marketing tied into our business strategy our forecasts what we've got to deliver pinpointed around you know particular events that we're going after particular seasonality that's important to our business particular customer propositions and product enhancements that we're landing and 80% of our marketing strategy and plan for the year is all developed you know we're no different to any other business in that respect however we have a highly i i guess toned muscle Mm. around being agile and you can only be agile if you are highly planned i.e you've got so much else sorted Mm. locked away teams focused on delivering that and then the other 20 percent is you know um what we layer on top to drive that level of cut through and availability you know, you know, kind of, sorry, cut through to achieve mental availability mm. with consumers and stuff. So most stuff is highly planned. So again, giving away trade secrets. We have every single um, eventuality that we could possibly think of mapped out for the World Cup. Right, yeah. <laughs> Win, lose, draw. All the different matches that are going on. Different copy lines. Mm. Um, like Jack and the social content team have shot so much content around different eventualities, right. um, that we will have ready to go up in an instant. So you have a lot of so, stuff banked and then, and then they're like Zidane headbutt, which you can never plan for, which happened in one of the World Cup finals, something like that. So you'll have enough stuff yeah. done that's, re- that's kind of planned reactive, yeah. but, and then you'll just that kind of, you'll still be agile enough yeah. to, to jump on things as they happen. Yeah. Yeah. And we have an installation that will be going live around that particular event that you just um, mentioned there. So, you know, we will have Easter eggs for, you know, big sporting fans that really enjoy that. Mm. You know, that's how we create talkability. Right. Gotcha. Um, it is building those in to kind of go, that's super funny. That talks to me. I enjoyed that at the time. Mm. I like their Patty's twist on that. But you know, you have to do that. We have a new CEO, Ian Brown, and we were taking him through the World Cup plans. And again, he's brand new to the business. And we have a big World Cup war room in the office yeah. where we've got, you know, everything planned out from when our ad goes live on the 12th of November, right the way through to the 21st of December when the tournament is over. And then all the different eventualities of stuff that could happen because, mm. you know, we we invest millions in media And we want to make sure that that media works as hard for us as it possibly can in every channel that we're in. So whether that's programmatic, whether that's search, whether that's um, a brand partnership with one of the, you know, the news um, providers like The Sun in the UK or whether it's just our TV advertising or whether it's Twitter Amplify, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. that that channel is working harder for us than anyone else out there. So I guess understanding how we use uh, media and data science and and bringing creativity to that um, to ensure that we have an edge Mm. um, and we we out-trump the competition, basically. Yeah, and, you know, and you have to keep doing it and you have to, you know, I think everybody... Because I, I think it was a, like everybody probably looks at you. It's hard when you're when you're a leader and a, a kind of a category leader in anything, even in terms of because because it's it 
everyone else is looking at you and you got to look over your shoulder. So you're kind of probably not even within your category, outside your category, you're probably in, in a lot of people's kind of sight as an ambition to go, you know, that's the standard. Everyone's kind of chasing you, but I mean, it keeps you lean, it keeps you fit and it keeps you on your toes. So yeah. I guess it's a good yeah, thing. Sure. Um, I want to just, you do a lot of stuff in-house because you have to, because you you, yeah. you couldn't use an agency partner. They would not be as no. agile or reactive as as your own team. And given like the, 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 the quantity of the output, which, which you have to have, that you have to put out from smart copy lines to video and everything, what is the role for agency partners in your business? Um, like, do you ever yeah. see a time where you would not, not need them at all? Because you can do a lot of creative, I mean, the production and the creative team. So do, do, you, do you use a lot of agencies and would you yeah. like to take yeah. more of it in-house in time? No, agency partners are critical to our success. Um, and the agency partners that we work with, we've worked with for a very long time, people that work on the Paddy Power account. I mean, I'm there five years and, you know, we have agency partners that I work with today that have worked with, you know, the brand for 10 years. Right, um, yeah. So they know the brand very, very well. They understand the evolution of the brand, where it's been, where it's going. And, um, you, you know, they are crucial to our success. So I'd say people like, you know, in Dublin, we work with Public House. They're yeah. a phenomenal agency. We've worked with them for years and years and years. Um, Public House made the Colomini ad for us. Oh, um, right. Okay, uh, yeah. Which is a fantastic piece of work, um, as well as many more things like, um, you know, the 70-foot Pope's confession box. And yeah. There's a raft. I could go on and on. Um, you know, they, they've uh, worked with us for many years. Um, we use Droga5 in London as our creative agency. Actually, they're quite new to us. We're working together about a year now. Um, and they've just, uh, they did the start of season ad for us and they've just completed the World Cup ad, which we're very excited about. But people like Taylor Herring, who we are working on um, a couple of stunts with for the World Cup, um, are responsible for things like you referenced Daft Punk and mm. many other stunts mm. that we've done. They've done some of the most iconic ones that we've done. And I'm very excited about a couple that they're working on for us for Christmas. Um, yeah. So those, you know, like, that it's important for us um, to have external partners that are highly creative. Mediacom are our media agency in London. We've worked with them for God, about eight years now. Right. Um, so agency part, even though we do programmatic in-house, so, so we do performance marketing in-house, but mm -hmm. all our above the line is done by Mediacom. So we've worked with them all for a very long time. Uh, we use a multiplicity of agency partners uh, people who understand our business um, and understand, I think, how to execute. Like, it is a difficult brand, Dave, because we will get, you know, all the time, we'll get people writing into us or, you know, just external agents that we maybe haven't yet worked with that will write into us and say, oh my God, I've had a great idea yeah, for such, I can and such a thing. And you're kind of a bit like, gosh, you know, that's that's not us tonally, mm. we wouldn't do that, um, et cetera, et cetera. So it takes a long time to get under the skin of the brand in terms of how to create laughter and joy. And, you know, we're, we don't exist to cause offence to mm. anyone. That's not our raison d'etre. That's yeah. not our purpose. Our purpose is to fuel, fuel entertainment um, for our customers and give them the best experiences uh, and most unrivaled entertainment experiences mm of anyone out there so um yeah so it's we do tricky. i think the short answer is we do agencies are are critical and we love we love our partners yeah and i mean i think you're you, you just said it there i mean like shock shocking advertising anyone can shock right that's 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 lowest common denominator stuff i think and yeah. i think it's it's like something that you've done really well it's to it's to to do stuff that gets talkability that doesn't cause offence. Like it's, it's, you know, the clean comedian, you know, the, you know, it's harder, it's harder to do that stuff. It's harder to, to resonate and connect culturally and, and, you know, do it in, in a respectful way. And I think you've, you've done, and consistently done a really good job at that. Um, a question, I'm not going to keep it much longer because um, I've already gone over what I promised <laughs> I would take your time. <laughs> no but, worries. So the brand is Irish, right? It's, it's, yeah. now you operate in the UK. UK, you're like, you know, when you, you talk about taking the piss out of England, um, yeah. does that, how do English 
people feel about Paddy Power, the, the brand, when it's when it's kind of unashamedly Irish um, and, you know, poking fun at England to a degree and having to laugh about Brexit or the the rugby boys. Is, is that, yeah. do you not does, do you not care about that? Or do, you, or do people, do English people go, it's just a bit of fun, who cares? Or do you ever worry about that? Do you, that you're, you're so Irish, you you kind of cause yourself trouble in, in, in the UK market because you want yeah. people there. Yeah, no, great question. Great question. So, um, so firstly, the, the thing to say is, you know, we're not looking to cause offense. I, I kind of go back to that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's about being, um, it's about being fun and being entertaining. And, you know, if you kind of think about the brand drivers I spoke about, it's kind of like being on the, you know, being the punter's pal on the side of the punter, being funny, being witty. So it's about the kind of, good sporting rivalry banter that you have with your mates down the pub. Mm. So um, if you think about who do you support? I, I prefer to not say, but Manchester United. You support Man United. I do. Oh my God, I knew you were going to say that day. I, know. I knew you were going to say that. You poor thing. I know, I know. Um, I've even laughed so, at a lot of the videos I've seen. Like it was great with uh, your man waking up in a coma and his mates all there. And I was going, it's just funny. And it's, you know, because it's, it's true. But yeah, anyway, yeah, Man United. So I think when you do things in a fun sporting way and it's, you know, you're, you're not taking yeah. personal aim at anyone. Um, we're not taking uh, personal aim at anyone. We, we definitely lean into that Irish cheeky mm -hmm. fun tone of voice. I mean, the Irish are known to be great storytellers, very witty, you know, very clever wit. Yeah, um, effortless. I think Irish effortless team. wit. Effortless. Yeah, that's the way Absolutely. I describe it. Yeah, effortlessly witty, and I think that that is something that is enjoyed. It's definitely enjoyed by um, our customers across the UK and Ireland. And um, I, I think when you are well intended, yeah. Um, and as I say, we're very self-deprecating. We don't spare taking the piss out of ourselves as mm -hmm. much as anything else. Um, and it's all done from a good place, and it's done from a place that people recognize and understand as a good place that mm. it, it keeps it as a winning winning formula i mean our brand and our marketing is is one of the top three drivers of choice for paddy power mm. as to why you that's unique to us by the way in, in terms of our category but one of the reasons people choose paddy power is because of our marketing yeah. and our brand positioning oh yeah so, I, I can well imagine yeah so that's a that that's an important um, thing that we nurture, mm. I guess. I, I think it's going like it's been such a successful brand, and it is. the The, the difference is because you know, like there's a lot of all products are the same, right? They're all not, I'm being slightly facetious, but like beer is not that different. If you want, if you want to put a bet on the apps, are not that different. The, the odds can change, but you know, someone might be yeah. better on one thing, some might, but there's no real difference. I mean, Paddy Power have, have innovated in the market in terms of its product, in terms of the money back specials and stepping inside yeah. the category. So there's been genuine innovation, but then you, it doesn't last long because everyone else can catch up and there's cop, there's me too products. But I think the, yeah. the difference, and Byron Sharp talks about this, the real difference that is in being distinctive is your is your the, the, the secret sauce is your marketing your brand yeah um, and as and Rory Sullivan says this all the time you know value is created in the mind um not on, in a factory not at a product level so and I think that is like your classic I think there would be possibly books written about or if not we should we should think about doing one like the, the Paddy Power <laughs> way of, of marketing it's, it'd be a fantastic book and it's something that could be studied and um because it's quite complicated and I think I've said it this is about the 10th time I said like the, the effortlessness of it when it when it goes to market is is a credit because I know how hard it is like I've done I've worked on real-time campaigns for Adidas during World Cups and to a yeah. much smaller smaller scale now um but the coordination and the level of planning that goes into that to get things out in real time, it it's very it, it, it takes a lot of commitment and it take you need a lot of passionate people and people who do who love what they're doing and love the brand. So um yeah, but it's been a huge success. Paddy Power, you mentioned earlier on, was is his name actually Paddy Power? Like I know it is now. It is. Was that what he was called <laughs> always? Or was just because I, I never no, knew no. whether he was real or whether he was a marketing kind of tactic. <laughs> He's real. No, like, well, I know he's real. he is a real person. Um, is he was uh, related. He's a grandson. Is he or something? Or no, oh. no. He's David Power is his dad. Ah, okay. Uh, so um, yeah, so uh, David Power is his dad, and um, 
obviously Patty was born before, before the brand. Before the brand. Uh, Patty came first. Right. Uh, not the brand. Okay. Um, Patty, Patty, Patty was was there, and um, you you've met Patty and you've kind of seen Patty chat and stuff. Mm. He's very charismatic. Um, he's a great storyteller. Um, he he often says, you know, himself that he he, do, he doesn't know has the brand become some of him or has he become yeah, some of the brand. I can imagine. Um, but he's a phenomenal ambassador. He's great, great fun has a great understanding of the industry, the sector, our business. And um, yeah, yeah. He, he he's always novel, you know, whenever we do stuff, like we'll send yeah. Paddy up to collect awards or, you know, he's often the person that we have on talk sport and doing interviews. Mm. And we had him on news earlier in the week when we did the, you know, the, the bar stunt and he was yeah. talking about all of that. And media love him. Yeah, like no, so he's great. He's good. Brilliant. He's great. He's really good. Okay, well, I mean, I, I, I really enjoyed that. It was it was um, informative and it's like a lot of stuff that like I know you well, but I've often thought some of these questions about how 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 big is the newsroom and all that kind of stuff. And is there a structure? Is it chaos or is it kind of organized chaos? So it's been really, uh, thanks for taking the time. I'm trying to get you on for a long time because the brand I've admired for a long time from before. So Thank um, thanks for thanks for taking the time to do it. Um, and I'll let you get back on to, to whatever madness you're planning today. And no doubt it'll be World Cup focus or something like that. But thanks, thanks a million for um for doing it. Thanks, Dave. So that's it. That's all she wrote. We're out of time. Um, yeah, uh, genuinely, thanks for taking the time today, Michelle. Um, and thanks to everybody for listening. If you like that episode, why not listen back to some of our other amazing evergreen back catalogue of content? There's 83 at the moment, I think. You'll find them by simply typing Irish Times Inside Marketing into your search engine of choice. A big thank you to Kira in Marketing and Andrea on Sound. And thank you, as always, to our partners, Irish Times Media solutions who without them none of this would be possible so uh, until next week or two weeks time stay safe bye bye the inside marketing podcast brought to you by Dentsu and irish times media solutions